Good evening, everybody. This is Darius Asemi. Welcome to another episode of Unfiltered. Uh, Mike Rabasi is going to join us uh, later on this evening. We're going to have uh, Supervisor Magzig when he comes on for a few minutes to talk about his response to uh, the protesters that went to his home the evening uh, last week, uh, along with Supervisor Brandau's um, home. This uh, about a complaint about it was an SCIU 20, 2015 organization. Uh, uh, I think had had an issue with uh, wages and healthcare worker conditions uh, in at Fresno County. Do we have Supervisor Maxick on yet? Okay. Let's talk about the polls before he comes on. Thank you. Okay. Um, there you go. Plus military aid. Israel and the bombardment. And it looks like a overwhelming majority of and said yes, the U.S. provides whatever military aid it, aid it needs. So, and then our second poll should parents control what children's books are available in Fresno County libraries? Or should we rely on professional librarians? Now, this one, actually, even bigger margin. Librarians should control what's in Fresno County libraries, not necessarily parents. Uh, put your feedbacks on our Facebook uh, page live right now or on our Facebook social media on wire. Okay, uh, Supervisor Maxig is not here yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That's a great point, Paul. So, um, from books, we're going to go to Supervisor Brandau's initiative on what we should do with the books and parental control. We have a video on that we can play. Let's play that video. Last night, I guess there was a caravan. Uh, from our one of our local SEIU groups. Oops, uh, I think that's a wrong. With. But hold on, so let's let's play that. Group, uh, came down my street here three or four times, according to my neighbors. Here's what's really crazy: I wasn't even home, so they kind of <clears> came <throat> to protest or let me know about you know their their presence. But the truth is, I wasn't home. Now I I pulled in at the end of the block right as they were leaving. Uh, when I got here, I had neighbors standing in their driveway, so I got the skinny on what was going on and. I think there was 30 or 40 cars honking, so it's a big deal, you know. So I think mostly it created confusion. I mean, it's dark, so it's hard to read the signs, and so you, you wonder if it's effective at all. We're trying to talk with their leadership team. And these, you know, this is the tactics. I mean, I haven't heard of this tactic being used in a long time. The County of Fresno only picks up a portion of their salary, a, a portion of their hourly wage. The rest of it all comes through Sacramento. So the bulk of this needs to be addressed in Sacramento. I really think in the end of the day, it was a pretty ineffective way of kind of getting their message across. It certainly probably backfired in my opinion uh, to come to where somebody lives and to kind of just like, hey, we're gonna be right in your face. I don't know if it's the best plan, but that's what they did. I wasn't really concerned for my safety, but I understand in Supervisor Magzig's um, neighborhood, he lives on a cul-de-sac, so imagine 30, 40 cars trying to get into a cul-de-sac. So that was probably a more intense situation. Here, I think there was a little bit more bewilderment, like, what are these people doing?
Okay, that was the first part of a, another video, but that was uh, good information to share. Uh, let's put on the video on Supervisor Matt, uh, I'm sorry, Brandau, on his uh, legislation. Oh, oops, uh, sounds like small uh, technical difficulty. Okay, let's move on to the next. Uh, we are going to come back to the, um, the book, the parental control over books in, uh, in the library here. Um, okay. Next item. Um, gosh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I guess a lot of these are related to the book, so we're gonna we're gonna wait on that. Okay, LA traffic. Let's talk about LA traffic. Uh, is John up? Okay. Let's put John. Actually, you know, while John is here, we can skip a bunch of stuff on Bitwise, and uh, we'll come back to all that stuff. But let's let's go. Let's talk about uh, the main topic because it looks like we're not going to get Supervisor Maxig on tonight. Uh, we have to send SCIU to his home. I'm kidding. Um, he kind of uh, where he's at. He had a brief uh, event he was going to join, but uh, looks like that's not going to happen tonight. Okay. Let's talk. Let's bring John on. Let's talk about uh, John. Is John on? Okay. Good evening, John. Uh, Executive Director of Right to Life for Central California, and welcome back to Hillster. Uh Tell yep. us about uh, what what you saw happen and across the country in several states at elections last last week on abortion rights uh, for women. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on what happened there and what uh, Republican, the Republican versus Democrat, is that something that could be a predictor of the 2024 elections? Uh, tell us what your thoughts are on John. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, distressing week for me as a political observer of these things and as someone who does a lot of work to <clears throat> women you know, assist women facing difficult pregnancies and try to provide them with resources so that they, they can um, make the choice for life. Um, the results in Ohio, I think, reflect that uh, I think very little of the country agrees with the Democrat hardline platform position of abortion without restrictions. Very little of the country agrees with the Republican, Republican hardline platform position um, of uh, abortion to be restricted for protection for all unborn children, all unborn human beings. Um, but I think the Democratic Party has a much better marketing apparatus and messaging apparatus. Uh, Democrats outspent Republicans on issue one yeah. in Ohio which uh, put a right to abortion into the Ohio Constitution, Democrats outspent Republicans three to one in that race. So I think pro-lifers have a big problem nationwide, which frankly Republicans have uh, all over the country, which is that Democrats and more liberal causes in general are kind of kicking their butts fundraising wise. And if you're winning the fundraising battle, it means you're largely winning the messaging and advertising battle. So 
I think that's a real challenge that pro-lifers around the country have to face is uh, Democrats are making pro, pro-abortion forces Democrats are sort of making the position of, well, let's just put a right to abortion into our state constitution. And people think that sounds moderate and reasonable, but what they don't realize is without any restricting language, what they're legalizing is actually completely unrestricted abortion throughout all nine months of pregnancy. If you don't have any modifier to a right to abortion, that's in fact what's being legalized. So Ohio has passed a very extremely permissive uh, new body of abortion law, I think which is far more permissive than what most Americans support. Uh, and I think they did it on the strength of much better messaging than the pro-lifers did. So I think that's a real problem is uh, pro-lifers face a really uphill battle to message for their side. Um, you know, and again, in the case of Ohio, they got outspent, you know, three to, you know, three to one. Um, and, you know, that, that's a tough hill to, over, to overcome. Got it. What we have on your screen, which is part of a Gallup poll, says 66% of Republicans say abortion should be legal with certain restrictions. 8% say it should be legal without any restrictions. 24% say it should be legal in all situations. But it looks like overwhelming, well, at least two-thirds or close to two-thirds say abortion should be legal with certain restrictions. I'm, I'm, and I'm assuming that's going to be you know, after only within the first few or whatever that number is, is it 14 10 weeks, 6 weeks, it should be, and maybe there's, or maybe there's other risks only apply, you know, cases of incest or, you know, rape, et cetera, versus 34, percent of Dem- Democrats say abortion should be legal with certain, uh, certain restrictions. With certain restrictions is, is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. I, I think if you look at certain kinds of restrictions, like, you know, let's um, limit abortion only to the first trimester, for example, that gets pretty broad support um, uh, across the political spectrum. And, and I think that's kind of kind of what Republicans, if they want yeah. to successfully shift the conversation on abortion, um, I think that's the kind of sort of intermediate steps that they really need to shoot for. Um, you know, it, they need to push for reasonable abortion restrictions that a large majority of the country supports, and they need to highlight things like, well, do you, the American voter, do you support abortion in the third trimester? You know, California's Proposition 1, which was passed uh, just in November of 2022, similarly to Ohio's issue one, again, had no restricting language in it for abortions really late into pregnancy, abortions after fetal viability. And I think to, you know, if there's a way to play the reverse card in UNO on this issue for Republicans, or, or for pro-lifers, really, um, because as we've seen from these election results, it's not every, not every Republican is, pro, is pro-life. Um, if there's a way to kind of play the UNO reverse card here, I think it would be to try to show to the American people, you know, there's no abortion restrictions seemingly that Democrats support, that, that a lot of Democrats, or the, the, you know, the platform for the Democratic Party anyway, 
uh, really supports? And, and do you want, you know, public funding for abortion? Do you want, um, you know, abortion totally unrestricted? I, I don't think most Americans actually want that. But if you market it in these sort of vague terms, which is how issue one was marketed, how proposition one was marketed, um, probably a majority of people are willing to go for that. So look, there's no way to sugarcoat it for, you know, my, this has been, honestly, ever since Roe was overturned, um, there have been a lot of serious state-by-state -state electoral defeats for the pro-life side. Um, doesn't mean, you know, doesn't mean we stop fighting. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't stop on the local individual level, which is what we're committed to is uh, helping people facing difficult pregnancies, challenging pregnancies and provide them with medical care and you know, clothes and shelter and resources and do everything we can just to love people on the local level. So, um, but yeah, Republicans face, I think a real, uh, pro-lifers rather, face a real uphill battle. John, let me ask you a quick question. I think Mike has got some comments. Is there any, uh, condition by which the Right to Life Coalition or organization would support abortion? And, and I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, is it at week two or week four, if for somehow somebody goes, I, I think I know I'm pregnant, or, you know, as a result of incest or rape, or is it just no, no to all abortion? So, I mean, there are various kinds of interventions that will result in fetal death that are where the death of the fetus is foreseen but not intended, uh, which pro-lifers have always historically supported as legitimate. Uh, I think of, you know, a case of an ectopic pregnancy, for example, where uh, the embryo is growing in the fallopian tube rather than the <clears> uterus. <throat> Classic example where everyone in the pro-life side has always, you know, supported ectopic pregnancy where you are removing the child for a critical health reason. So various kinds of interventions um, to save the life of the mother where you're not directly trying to kill the unborn child, you are trying to remove the unborn child from the situation foreseeing that the child will die. Lots of those situations are totally legitimate, which is why pro-lifers always support life of the mother exceptions in uh, statutory language um, to protect unborn life. Um, I think the difficulty is, you know, abortion in cases of rape, for example. I mean, I have a friend who was conceived in rape, and she's just a normal person, and you know, she's married, and she has kids, and she's an attorney, and she she's a mom and a friend, and she's just someone you would see. And I, I, I don't deny the horrific, tragic, devastating, horrible nature <clears throat> of women who conceive child under such a horrible, horrible criminal circumstance. Uh, and certainly we have helped through um, our subsidiary corporation to Overy Clinic. We have helped women who have gone through situations like that. Um, but the child is also another living human being. And right. uh, our, pers our perspective, our perspective <clears throat> is that whatever ways of dealing with this problem can't just actively kill another innocent person. And I really like, not everyone agrees with those priors is the right. thing. So basically no to any abortion unless it's like a mother's health is at risk. Yeah. That, 
kinds of life and certain kinds of life of life of the mother kind of that's why they lost this is what it comes down to uh look i'm going to look at very objective um a majority of americans especially women even if they're republican don't want the government making this decision for them it's just the way people are remember when they were trying to pass obamacare and the tactic was, oh, death panels. The government's going to decide whether you can die. Uh, it wasn't quite true, but that's how they can emotionally get to folks because they don't want government making these decisions for them. The problem is one side, which is right now in the minority, although they have the Supreme Court, but they're, they are saying it's us or nothing. If they had a more moderate uh, view, which is a very difficult oral question, uh, I think they'd win a lot more support. That's why you're getting more money going to one side. But it's not just the money. It's what is the role of government in a very personal decision. Um, and, and here's the funny part. If you look at slide 15, slide 17, and I don't want to target Republicans, just people on this issue. It's funny. I have to argue with folks at times that they say we shouldn't even give free lunches to have food and eat. How are you going to learn? And these same people want to say, oh, well, no, you you have to make this no matter what. The government's going to your body. You got to do this. But once the kid's born, uh, you're on your own. So this is not a very, it doesn't sound like common sense to me. Um, I think that the truth is somewhere in the middle, but uh, it takes reasonable to get there. And I don't know how you're going to get there with this. And that's why we're always teetering between one or the other. I think we can save a lot of lives and have people like uh, your friend you mentioned. Hey, hold on. First of all, let's put, what happened to John? Did John go away? <laughs> There you go. Yeah. No. Oh, there you are. Okay, yeah. let's make sure we have John on the screen. Yeah. Can we have John and Mike only on the screen? Okay, let's let's get that going. Uh, I okay. guess getting off my soapbox, I, I'm I'm trying to look at this objectively, but John, if you can't find a more, I know I'm asking you something that's very difficult because it goes against what's morally inside you, but for a, from a political standpoint, if you can't find a position that is more of that moderate position, I don't see how you're going to win legislatively. Um, for example, um, one thing I always hear when this issue comes up, oh, the pro-lifers, then they don't want anyone, even if it's a case of rape or incest, they can't make that decision. They're going to decide for them. That's something that they always will point out. So is there ever going to be a point where folks on your side of this issue are going to say, look, we got to be pragmatic. We want to save lives here in your mind. You're going to have to go to the middle somehow. Or is it just, that's just the way it is? I think that's kind of what Darius was trying to get at. And I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you, Micah, as far as, you know, this is a tough sell. I don't think the electorate is, it's becoming more and more clear, you know, in, in a Republican state like Ohio, where Trump won both times <coughs> and elected a Republican pro-life governor by 25. If we're losing there, we're going to lose everywhere. Mm. So I think probably a sound, if there's a way forward, pro-lifers politically on this i think it's probably something like you know um kind of tim scott actually i thought enunciated a pretty good <clears throat> looking at this where i'm pushing for a nationwide ban on abortion at the 15-week point of pregnancy that is what i am pushing for i believe that all life is has value and i believe you know why can't have a more moderate position? Well, I, I can't. Why, why do you think the government should make this decision? I think the government makes this decision for the same reason the government outlaws 
homicide in other cases, I think unborn children are members of our community. I think they are persons and rights-bearing persons, and that we cannot make a private decision to actively kill them, just the same way like we can't make a private decision to you know, beat up a yeah. five-year-old or something like that. I, I, I understand what you're saying, Mike, and if it was any other kind of healthcare procedure like you know, taking your tonsils out or something, yeah, you, you have the autonomy to make your own decisions for that. Um, so I, I think you can kind of see my logical priors here, how, you know, yeah, I, I really do think these very, very small human organisms are, are members of the community. It's why I think the government has a responsibility to protect them. Um, John, so, let me ask, John, let me ask you a, a quick question. How, yeah. how about the morning after pill? Is that something that, um, if somebody has unprotected sex and, and they wake up in the morning and go, oh my gosh, I've, that was a mistake. Why did I do that? Uh, or even in the case of rape, when that's being, if a doctor prescribes that to someone, or if it's rape, ER, or, or like, something, sexual assault. Yeah. Oh. yeah well, the, the morning after pill, it's, it's, the function is chiefly contraceptive. It's not actually abortifacient. Uh, its, main, its main function is contraceptive. It, it's, it, there's, a, there's a brief window where uh, levonorgestrel is the actual FDA-approved name for the drug. Uh, where it's designed to to prevent ovulation, so uh, that's kind of in a separate. That's a separate category over here. Um, from you know, from it, it's a different. This is a, it's a different thing from abortion. You know, most of the time. So um, yeah. So, but again, I, I think to address the, Mike Mike's thing about you know politically going forward, uh, I think Republicans should <laughs> push for some kind of. A nationwide push for some kind of again moderate restriction that I think most people agree with, something like a 15-week or um, you know a first trimester limitation on abortion, um, and and I think that's a more positive way forward. When you look at national polling on individual kinds of restrictions like that at say the first trimester point or the 15-week point, with exceptions for things like rape, that engenders very broad-based support. So, um, you know, my goal would be to save the most lives possible. And, and you know, Mike, you, you also made a good point, I think, about how that, the perception of Republicans as, you know, uh, no to abortion, but, but, oh, we can't pay for school lunches. Um, I, I actually think the approach that was taken in Louisiana, for example, so Louisiana passed under a Democrat governor, actually, a pro-life Democrat governor and legislation introduced by pro-life Democrat uh, state legislators, uh, passed uh, a ban on abortion after six weeks, <clears throat> along with increased state services <clears throat> towards um, uh, for prenatal <throat> care services and, and things of that sort. And that, I think that, that kind of approach that really, you know, as, as someone who founded a nonprofit OBGYN clinic to specifically to help women in Fresno facing those struggles, I really think that's the approach that the pro-life movement is taking more and more, and that Republicans need to take. Let me let me jump in real quick. Uh, we have Supervisor Maxick with us now. Uh, we're going to talk brief. Well, I'm going to actually ask the supervisor about um, some of his views about what happened last t last week, but briefly talk about because I know he only has a couple of minutes with us. Briefly talk about the book issue, 
at the Fresno County uh, libraries uh, and also his reaction to the SEIU, very brief reaction to SEIU uh, handling of the, uh, of the cars at, at, at his home. But first, is Supervisor Maxick with us? Let's, let's, let's put Supervisor Maxick along with John Girardi on at the same time. And there we go. Okay. Hi, Nathan. Good evening. Uh, so first of all, let's get your, your very quick, and I know you have very limited time with us, very quick feedback on what happened on the elections last week in, in, uh, in at least two states on abortion rights for women. Uh, and then I want to ask both of you a question before we get into what happened with SEIU and the, and the, uh, the book, the library book issue. You know, there's a conversation that Republicans care about, you know, the fetus before it's born. Now, I've heard that from several Democrat friends that they go, after a child is born, then the Republicans don't want to have a whole lot to do with it. Um, they don't want to, you know, spend money on uh, preschool. They don't want to spend money on, you know, free, uh, food for the child, child care, uh, so on and so forth. Matter of fact, we can put in uh, slide seven. Well, here, I'm, let me just going to read it. Republicans, this is, a, again, according to some of my Democrat friends, Republicans only care about children before they're born. And then if you need food or medical care, you know, in other words, government assistance, the answer is uh, not so fast. Let's start with Nathan on that. What are your thoughts on that? And, and the elections that took place last week uh, across wow. many yeah. states. So Ohio a couple of things. Kansas. First, the greatest resource that we have is uh, really people and children. And so at the end of the day, I'll, I'll share with you that I am a, I am a Christian. And uh, as I've researched and read the Bible and just the work that I've done working for different organizations like the Boys and Girls Club, um, working for the Coalition for Urban Renewal Excellence, Building Housing, really, um, in my opinion, where we need to focus is we really need to focus on humanity more and our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, and uh, instead of really trying to divide people and uh, putting them into boxes. Where my heart breaks is there are many people that are in need uh, in Fresno County, and I have spent uh, really the last 20 years working with different nonprofit organizations, doing what I can to provide assistance to people who need it. But um, when a woman is facing a decision on whether or not whether to keep a baby or to, to choose to abort it, that's a decision which is going to have um, lifelong consequences, both uh, for the mother as, as well as that as well as that fetus. I'm one who believes that we should always err on the side of life. And uh, when it comes to something where the, the, the mother's life may be in jeopardy, things get complicated quite a bit when we're dealing with, you know, what should we do around abortion? But I believe we're focusing too much on, um, you know, whether someone is pro-life or pro-choice. We need to be focusing more on how much as uh, a nation do we value um, babies? How much as a nation do we value life? And I'm one who, who always errs on the side of, of life. I think life is a gift. Um, I have three boys. I love them all very much. And um, to the extent that we can encourage people to, you know, to keep children, to keep babies, but then wrap our arms around them. And to the extent they need services and support, we need to be right there with them as well. So this is what I personally believe. And I know that there were some elections last week that really focused in on the abortion issue, whether, um, you know, communities, whether states should be pro-choice or pro-life states. And for me, we're missing the uh, 
really the, the humanity and uh, uh, we're missing a greater conversation, which really needs to be children are absolutely valuable and we need to let be doing more. It. So women want to choose life for let their me, babies. Let me jump in first of all, real quick. I think Mike has a couple of uh, thoughts on your comments. First of all, I want to say this. I should have said this earlier for the audience. We invited at least one, if not two members of pro-choice coalition here locally. Uh, Paul, was that two? Three. Three, Three members of pro-choice, whether it was Planned Parenthood or other organizations, but they could not attend tonight, or they would not attend tonight. So I just want to make sure that is yeah. put out for the audience. It's not trying to get an all-male uh, no, we, pro-life we, panel yeah, we, uh, to discuss this issue. We but, specifically on unfiltered want conversation, but we can't force someone to come to the table. I wish they were right. here tonight. That's right. I so, really do. So... So they, they elected not to come. So with that, Mike, you had a comment, brief comment, because then I want to move no. to books and then SCIU, and then we're going to go back to John. No, I think what the supervisor said is that's where you get your, your bipartisan support. It's focusing on how do we support our babies? They are our future, our life. And this is not a Democrat-Republican issue. This is something that we easily can get everyone, on, most people on board on. So I applaud him for mentioning that. Okay. Uh, Okay, briefly tell us about uh, the book issue at the Fresno Library, and then more importantly, uh, SCIU, uh, the conversation. I think th they sent some folks they want to pick you up for dinner. Was that a, like an Uber ride they sent over? Or was that DoorDash? Could you, could you kind of, we're going to come to that, yeah. but tell us about the library. What's going on with Fresno Libraries? Some folks are saying this is a book ban. Others are saying, hey, the librarian should, uh, our poll basically said the librarian should pick what books go in there. We don't need parents to come in and interfere with that. What are your thoughts on that? And then tell us about the Uber rides that you were offered. Yeah, so really when it comes to our libraries, uh, no books are, uh, no books are going to be banned from the libraries. What we're talking about is where books um, are to be placed and giving parents an opportunity really to weigh in on, on what they want. I look at other departments that we have at the County of Fresno to the, the Department of Social Services, Department of Behavioral Health. We have oversight boards for almost all the other departments in Fresno County, but we don't have an oversight board providing comments uh, on what should happen in the children's section. And let me be clear, this is something that the Board of Supervisors just didn't think up on its own. I know there was some controversy several months ago about displays and books in, in, uh, uh, that were being presented to children in the children's book section, and it really divided our community. So for me, I think uh, at the end of the day, parents should really be the ones who decide uh, what their kids have access to. And um, again, we're not looking at banning anything. What we're looking at is maybe there are some books that are more appropriately placed in other areas other than the children's section at our library. So, you know, for me, I was uh, one of the deciding votes on this particular issue. I know something that we're going to include is we want the committee to be smaller instead of a 15, 15 member board, it'll be 11. And also any books that are being reviewed and maybe removed out of the children's section and placed somewhere else, there's going to be a list so everyone can see what books were moved and, and why. So is that gonna be, I'm all for transparency. Nathan, is that a, so out of 11, Six can make a call, or is it, is it has to be unanimous? No, it doesn't have to be unanimous. The reason that we came up with 15 and then it was reduced down to 11 is you want to make sure that you have an odd number on that board so you never um, end up with, you know, a 50-50 split. 
So okay. we, uh, there's always an opportunity to have a majority and a min uh, minority there as well. But I, I'm confident there's going to be some discussions. I think that there's going to be great consensus on most uh, issues that are going to come before them. And I don't expect there to be a whole lot of books that they're really going to be reviewing. There were a few examples that uh, uh, Supervisor Brandau presented at the board meeting. And I actually found it interesting because the examples he used, he brought a poster in and showed it. The media blurred out the poster when when they ran their newspaper articles and also when they showed it on the news. So if if adults that watch the news can't see what's being displayed because the media has deemed it as being, um, you know, offensive or maybe too graphic, then why does my six year old child? Why is that appropriate for them? So. Um, again, I found that to be um, a great example of we do have books right now uh, in our children's section that uh, the media cannot show on a five or six o'clock newscast without it being blurred out. T tell us quickly, what does it take to be on, on that panel, 11 uh, board panel? For the so audience, the board of supervisors, each, each supervisor will get to appoint two members. The CAO will appoint one member. And so um, they'll need to reside within the district that they're applying for. For me, I'm going to be looking for individuals that are parents, um, that have children, and really have a vested interest uh, in the community, uh, specifically District 5, since that's what I represent. So uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for. Other supervisors may have different criteria, and that's okay, too. Do they have to be of a certain religion or party race? No. or anything? Okay. No. And actually, I'm going to be looking for people who, who bring different ideas and backgrounds to the table. So uh, religion, for, for me, doesn't matter. They just they, What's going to be important for me is I want parents on that committee because, really, they're going to be dealing with books that are in the children's section. Got it. Mike, you had a yeah, comment on that? Just a question on this one. And now, now, again, no books are being banned. They're going to be moved. I understand that. My question is, why do we have to have this whole process? Could you have just informed or instructed as the policymaking body, the librarian saying, hey, this we don't think this is appropriate, just move that, that topic and books in a different section uh, where parents check it out. Why couldn't that be done? Why, why, why you dilute your power? So at the library, you have to remember that books are dynamic. Books come in and out of the library. There's new, new releases all the time. So as a supervisor, you know, I'm, I serve on 19 different committees dealing mm -hmm. with the retirement system already. Uh, dealing with airport land use issues, LAFCO issues. And so I don't want to spend more time reviewing books specifically in the library. And so it's a great opportunity for members of the community, many of which you've been outspoken about this issue, to have an opportunity to take a look and look at a lot of these books that are coming through. So to me, it's just like having an oversight board for our behavioral health department or Department of Social Services. In this case, this committee is going to be looking at books that are in the children's section. Okay, Let, let's bring... Uh... John Girardi on uh, to, to get his comments, uh, quick comments. I know this is not about uh, pro-life pro uh, issues, but you have a quick comment on books? Yeah, well, I, I've been actually uh, pretty involved in all this. Uh, as um, you know, I went to the Clovis Library about six weeks ago with uh, my wife and my five kids, and my wife was looking for a book on uh, the respiratory system for my girls, my older girls, uh, we're re reading about lungs. So she's looking in the science section and the kids section. And right at eye level, uh, she saw she pulls out, you know, one of those one of those books that Supervisor Brandau showed on TV that had to get blurred. Uh, the book uh, 
was called uh, Making a Baby by, I believe it's Rachel Greener and Claire Owen is the name of it. And uh, the page in question showed two grown adult naked men showering next to a four or five-year-old boy in what appeared to be like a YMCA like locker room shower with a little was that a pic Was that a picture or a drawing? It was a, pic it was a, it was it a drawing. Was, okay, got it. But, you know, with a five-year-old girl putting on her clothes uh, right next to them. And I guess I just asked myself, what universe is this acceptable? What universe is children changing in a locker room next to naked men acceptable? Uh, another book that showed images of a child masturbating with language talking about, uh, do your parents have rules about masturbation? Do they make sense to you? Constant challenges to parental authority about rules and parameters around sex. Uh, that was a book called Sex is a Funny Word by Claire Forsyth, I believe is the name of the author. And, and these aren't like one-off things that are, you know, you know, someone donates a book and the librarian didn't, you know, review it very thoroughly. Those two books, which are full of stuff that I don't think makes any sense, you know, the one was for children ages five to eight, according to Amazon. The other is for children ages eight to 10, according to Amazon, telling kids to challenge their parents' rules about masturbation. Um, okay. These five copies of each of those books in the Fresno County Library System. So I think, frankly, you know, we say, whom should we trust, the librarians or parents? Well, the librarians are not elected by the people of Fresno County. The supervisors are. The librarians work for Fresno County. They're libraries, right. organs of county government. So okay. I, okay. I think what the supervisors did was a very helpful corrective to what I think uh, is a real problem. Uh, Mike has got a question, but I got a comment from Inga. It says, all books should be allowed and parents need to supervise what their kids pick. Uh, Nathan, you want yeah. mine come kids section? Well, the parents then can supervise that. Nathan, any comments on that? No, I, I agree. I think uh, parents need to be with their kids in the library. But I also know too that you know the library we have in Clovis is right across the street from from Clark, and a lot of kids after school <clears throat> will come across the street and go into the library. And so, unfortunately, some parents have to work throughout the day, and kids are instructed to go to the library. Kids in elementary school, kids that are. Um, also in junior high, and so a lot of these books that um, elementary school age kids have access to in the children's section are are right there, and they don't always have their parents with them. So, again, this is not about banning books; it's about where these books um, are to be located. Okay. And so, from my perspective, kids that are um, young, under the age okay. of ten, uh, when they go into the children's section, they should have access to books that are very much age appropriate. And what I may deem as being age appropriate, I get that someone else might disagree with me. And this is why it's so important to have a diverse group of people on this committee who also have an opportunity to have a say. Right, uh, Mike. So you know, the, the sad thing is, despite what's in the library, kids are gonna find things far worse, far easier on the internet, even at school, which is sad. But let me ask this question, uh, Supervisor. The, the pictures the Supervisor Brandau showed I, I was, as an adult, very uncomfortable with some of the things I was seeing. Why did the librarians, did they ever explain why they, th they thought it was okay to have that in the library in the first place? I'm kind of, that's a bit of a concern. What were they thinking when they allowed that in that matter? Yeah, they didn't well, look at that I, page. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't speak they, they for, the, you know, for the librarians. And as I understand it, too, a lot of the books in the library right now, are, each book is not specifically screened. As I understand it, there are, you know, 
groups of, of books that are brought in. We're a part of an association that deems certain books as being okay for the children's section and okay in different areas. But again, a lot of people who are on uh, these committees don't have the same values as uh, residents of Fresno County. And so again, for me, this is why it's important to have more transparency where uh, parents who live in Fresno County can have an opportunity to weigh in and, and decide um, as we get into the nuances of the books that exist uh, within the library, specifically in the children's section. Well, Becky uh, Warden put a comment. Um, the library should have that book, and, and actually all of them. But Yeah, but she also said you know, parents take control. So uh, just to be clear, even with this commission, no books will be removed from the library, but it's just a matter of who has the ability to check them out, correct? It's where, where the books are going to be located. Right. And, and yes, who has the ability to check them out, but they just won't be in the children's section for right. young kids to be able to walk in and, you know, pull off the shelf. Got it. Thank you. you know, it's also a thought, though, that people keep saying all books should be shown in the library. All books and, and parents should just watch their kids. That doesn't give librarians carte blanche to put literally anything in the kids' section. If you have a kid's book that's published by Hustler magazine, I don't care if a parents are monitoring their kids like this. It shouldn't be in the library. And I, I think, honestly, the supervisors would have been well within their rights to completely pitch some of these books out entirely. Like, like the decision, <clears throat> you know. So anyway, that, that's my only thought on it, is that, no, library curation is an important thing. And if the supervisors, if we see that there are problems with the curation standards as of now. It's properly the role of the county supervisors to step in and address it as the elected representatives of the people. So. And I've got to step away in a minute. So I, uh, if there's a, one more topic you want to talk about, we might want to hit it now. Yes, do it. Um, okay, abortion rights. Oh, no, let's talk about SEIU. Let's, let's talk about the Uber rides you were going to get. Yeah, so last week um, I was at a conference and... Um, SEIU decided that uh, they wanted to come into my neighborhood with a number of vehicles, and uh, I was not home, but I got a frantic call from my wife at right around 625 uh, in the evening, and she didn't know what was going on, but she knew that she could not leave the house because when she opened <clears throat> the garage to back out, there were so many cars in the cul-de-sac that uh, she was trapped, and uh, there was a, apparently an exchange that took place with one of my neighbors. Uh, one of my neighbors uh, tore a sign off one of the cars because his little, little girl was outside waiting to be picked up by her mom. And apparently, according to a police report that I read, uh, some of the cars were driving in an unsafe way. And uh, so there was, a, again, an exchange. At one point, my wife is relaying this to me. She thought that maybe someone had gotten punched. I told her to call the police. The police came out, took a police report, interviewed several different individuals, and uh, really, it, it caused a disturbance in my neighborhood that really upset a lot of my neighbors. And, you know, it upset my wife. I personally don't think that this, this, that type of approach is effective or even should happen at all. If individuals from any bargaining unit want to protest, they're welcome to come to my place of work. They're welcome to do that at the Hall of Records. But to come to my home and engage with my neighbors, that is ridiculous. And uh, so I was very offended by that and uh, disappointed that they would put my wife in a situation where she, she couldn't even leave the house and that my neighbors uh, felt led to actually engage with the protesters 
because they were putting um, their children, my neighbor's children, in jeopardy. And again, it's in the police report that Clovis PD wrote down. So um, I don't know what this group is going to choose to do moving forward, but hopefully they use tactics that uh, have a little bit more common sense and don't put children as well as my neighbors in harm's way. And my wife, for that matter, too. Keep my wife, keep my children out of this. You have issues, come and face me. Those are great points, uh, Nathan. Uh, I'm sorry that that happened. And you're exactly right. It only, in theory, inf makes you more furious about uh, their actions for them to show up on mass and cars honking uh, in your street. Thinking, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, no, that's, I'm, no, I'm, I don't know what they're thinking. Their thinking is we're going to hey, harassment works. If we intimidate and harass, anytime, Nathan, you put a comment, if there's 15 SEIU people, without saying they're SEIU, 15 people come in and attack you, after a while, you're going to go, should I put that comment up? Should I put that post up that discusses this particular, that's exactly what they're thinking. And by the way, these harassment tactics work. It's been shown, it's a form of censorship. It works really well, whether you do it on social media, you, Mike, you put, you're a politician. You post something on social media. If 15 people attack you over the next 24 hours, next time you're gonna mm, you're gonna think, think twice, twice about right. po posting that. And that's exactly. It's, it's a very smart tactic, but also it it uh, you not it, uh, it in this case, at least in this case, it, it uh, uh, upsets enough of the elected officials where they go. You know what? Next time you have an issue, I can't speak for Nathan or any of the board of supervisors, but somebody that harasses you is, uses intimidation tactics. And by the way, it happens on social media. I put posts on my social media pages, and occasionally I get attacks. And, and I tell those, those are, that's my page. You want to attack me? I'm going to get you off my page. You're not going to participate. These are my comments. You want to have a civil discord, civil conversation? Do it. And I think that's what Nathan is saying. You want to have a civil issue? Come see me. Don't attack my family. And don't do it in my private yeah. residence. I agree with you completely. The problem is they did cross a line. I mean, our families are civilians. They're not, they didn't sign up for this job. They are our family members. Yeah. But they clearly crossed a line. I don't know what the, and that's why I say what I don't know what they were thinking. No, the, um, it, it works. It's very effective. And if they do it long enough, then next time, and they do it frequently, then next time, they go, oh, wait a minute, shall I do it? But in, this is, in this case, obviously, uh, it's an extension of what, what some folks do on social but media. This is I also think this is present. <clears throat> this is San Francisco or L.A. We, our stomachs are a lot stronger. We won't tolerate that crap here. I'm there sorry. We go. Any other comments before Nathan goes? And I, Nathan, I've can got, you stay with us? I've got to go. Thanks, Nathan. Do you have any thoughts on Bitwise? Huh. <laughs> um, I know the courts... That's sitting with the courts right now, and so um, there'll be evidence that's presented on both sides. And so, at the end of the day, I trust—you know—I I, I trust um, what the judge is going to rule in regards to that particular case. But a lot of people were impacted. A lot of people lost money, and uh, for you know, for the, the entrepreneurs that uh, were a part of Bitwise, the employees that were part of Bitwise, um, it affected over a thousand families. And so, my heart breaks for all of that. But um, again, it's in the legal system. We'll see what comes out um, as, as that hearing moves forward. Thank you, Nathan. By the way, your, uh, Julie Maxig, your wife, just put something up. They created a major safety hazard on our cul-de-sac. No emergency vehicles could have entered if needed. That creates yeah. another, pub another public safety issue all by itself. So are you taking any steps 
to communicate some of this to them or no? Well, as, as soon as it happened, I put it out on social media and the media uh, followed up with me. So at the end right. of the day, um, what's very effective is for the public to make clear that they don't accept <coughs> these type of tactics. And so okay. um, I've been very pleased with the outpouring of support that I've received from other union groups, uh, as well as uh, just the, the general public saying that they don't appreciate that my family, my neighbors were put in harm's way. And so... Um, Hopefully, SEIU has heard that message 2015 and it doesn't try a tactic like that again. Thank you, Supervisor. And let's bring uh, John Girardi back up uh, because we're going to, John, any final words before we, go, we, we wrap up the program? We're going to talk about Bitwise. We'd like you to stick around uh, if you can. Uh, is John on with us still or no? We just can't see him. John? Okay, there you go. Oh, wait a minute. No, not you. There you go. Okay. Uh, we're going to well, you're welcome to stay with us. We're going to get your feedback. We're going to actually show, let, let's show some of the clips on, actually, let's show the clip uh, on Bitwise that we took inside the court for a minute. So, Jake and Irma, what do you got to say to uh, your employees, to the people of Fresno? Not guilty? You can't even look us in the eyes. Our family. You can't even look us in the eyes, huh? No, sorry. Nothing. Your family. Our community. You, each one of us, loved our community. And you took us down. All we wanted was Fresno to fucking succeed. Look what you've done! That's all we wanted. Thanks. Not guilty? All right. I mean, that was one of the ex-employees of... Um, a bit wise making those comments to Jake and Irma. Uh, Mike, any uh, final thoughts? I know you had a, did you have a press conference on this? Uh, no. We did, we did initially uh, okay. when, this, when this story broke because uh, this was mentioned. They didn't, I mean, look, we know now the timeline goes further and further back. They're required to warn the city and the county or the city of Fresno if they're going to have mass layoffs. They didn't let us know because they were trying to keep the Ponzi scheme going. Right. Let's put um, up slide 14 while Mike and I are having this uh, discussion. You, you know what struck me about yeah. that video, Darius? Yeah. It's, you've got hundreds and hundreds of families across this country, especially in Fresno, that have been impacted by just losing their jobs and having their 401ks raided by these bastards. It's that Irma had enough money to go to the salon and doll herself up like a troll doll and well, show up. Where, did we lose Mike? Uh, Mike's video? Okay. There you go. Yeah, and it's just like, you know... What did Irma do? No, okay, she was all dolled up and had her hair dressed like a troll doll, yeah. like she always does. That she paid someone to do that. That money should be go. I know it sounds small, but that's a that's a that's a luxury. Why are right. the people living in luxury? They were just not even a look of shame, not even a hey, I'm sorry, things got out of hand. No, I think they totally knew what they were doing. They don't give a damn. They're looking at a quarter million dollar penalty, a couple of years in jail, and they're going to go back out there and take off to Costa Rica. Well, that's he, what's going to happen. Here's a list of. Um, Cases against them so far, uh, 
Roger Bonactor is representing a bunch of these folks. Uh, at least one of these folks is a local company. Looks like uh, one of the local marketing companies. Actually, she, there you go. she that got served by Roger in person, usually use a process server, because she's been ducking them across state lines, and they right. haven't been able to serve her. And finally, she got served. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's, we have just a few minutes left. Uh, let's put on, uh, first of all, CPUC. Let's go to slide 23. They are making the decision. Finally, they kept postponing this for months. Of course, uh, they, they saw a lot of this coverage on, on the media. November 16th, which is in uh, just a couple of days, Thursday, this, uh, this, uh, two days from today, they're going to make a decision on whether solar rates will change on multifamily, on um, schools, and on farms. Could have major impact on whether apartments get built or you know, do we do solar or not? Uh, so the, the renewable energy uh, program in California, at least in my opinion, could be in jeopardy because if you if you if your solar rates, that the rate that you produce electricity and sell it to PG&E, is substantially lower than what you purchase it back at, you know, why why invest in solar? Um, so. That's happening on the 16th. Okay, where is it at? In uh, El Centro, California. There's the address, Imperial County. And uh, can you slide? Do we have their phone numbers or email address? There you go. And that, all this information, by the way, is available on at uh, gbwire.com. Uh, okay, what else? Uh, uh, PG&E bills. Oh, and also, let's put up slide 22. PG&E bills could be hiked more. Solar power access, California regular Thursday. Great article uh, by our very own Nancy Price. And then California. Let's put in slide 21. California lawmakers call for uh, you know, more input uh, on proposed income-based PG&E bills. That's something that's going to happen from what it sounds like sometime next year. I, I, I call bullshit on that. But they're getting a lot of backlash. They're they, they, yeah, they finally, they finally knew about this. They, yeah. This was created in Sacramento. They knew about this. This is why they have a CPUC, because they want to say, oh, it's not us, it's this other group. You're exactly they're crazy. Right. You're oh, exactly you're right, trying right to Mike. Anyways. Uh, and final comments before we hang up. Let's put up slide 25. So this was uh, on NPR this morning. It's an audio. A uh, former Israeli soldier on, military, on the Israeli strategy of daily harassment humiliation of Palestinians. Very interesting, uh, provocative piece from the words of an Israeli, ex-Israeli soldier that was in the IDF uh, several years ago. Um, that's e that, all of this can be found on gbwire.com. Seeing nothing else, I think we, that's, we call it a wrap. All, all right. right. Okay. Thank you, Mike. sir. Stay safe. Nice. We're going to see you guys all next week on a pre-Thanksgiving show. And again, we are getting uh, warmed up for a panel on Palestine-Israel. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to be on. Um, it may be actually. A, 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 we're going to find a studio or, or a conference center to have it live, uh, both for audio, video feed, and also for comments in person. So stay tuned. More information coming. Have a great week. Thanks, everybody.